Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the sun moving through the first 10 degrees of Aquarius. So this is going to be happening from the 19th of January through January 29th. A decan is roughly 10 degrees of a sign, and uh, that generally with the sun can extrapolate out to about one degree per day. So we will look at that section of time and see some of the aspects that are that are going on. We'll try to break down some of the symbolism of Aquarius 1. Uh, there is one particular fixed star that we'll talk about, and we have a number of aspects. So let's take a look at our chart and see what we have got. Hope you're all hanging in there and are ready for Aquarius season. So like I was saying, we're going to be seeing the sun moving into Aquarius a fixed air sign that is ruled by Saturn uh, from January the 19th at 3.39 p.m. to about January 29th at 11.43 a.m. So let's talk about the condition of the sun when it's moving through Aquarius. So this is a, a pretty interesting area of the zodiac, especially for the sun, because the sun is going to be moving into a condition called its exile. So every planet has a particular temple or sign where it feels most at home and can do some of the things that it likes to do. Uh, there are other places in the zodiac where a planet feels kind of uncomfortable, or it might be kind of the opposite energy uh, to what it's used to. So the sun and Saturn are said to be opposites in the tradition. And if we look at the Thema Mundi, which is the natal chart of the world, which actually has cancer on the ascendant, so we can kind of use this as our de facto Thema Mundi, okay? We can see that the sun and the moon in the first and second house, respectively, uh, were opposite the signs of Saturn, okay? Aquarius and Capricorn, okay? So we, we're seeing that we have this kind of opposition aspect between solar and lunar light with Saturn. So if we think of the sun and the moon as light, um, of gnosis of the soul uh, saturn is is darkness saturn is the uh the quality of being exiled the quality of deprivation whereas the sun might provide vitality um where it might provide illumination um saturn can point out some of our weak spots some of our ignorances uh it can show us where we uh desire something that may require uh endurance and, and, and working harder than normal, where we're not just gifted something, we have to earn it over time. So with the sun in this particular area of the zodiac, we may be bringing awareness to some of those Saturnian qualities, like being in exile, like being deprived of something, potentially having a communal hardship. So the host of the sun during this period of time is going to be Saturn and Aquarius, to which it is co-present. So you can see here in our chart, the sun is hanging out with its host, Saturn. Okay, So Saturn in Aquarius is bringing awareness to some kind of social themes where we're really trying to figure out how to deal with uh, some of the new social structures that want to be born, potentially some of the problems that we have socially that, that need to be fixed. So we can kind of feel like we're, we're working on creating a new set of laws or a new set of agreements that we have with one another as human beings. Um, that's what we call a society or what we call culture. Uh, this 
particular area of the zodiac is in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees of Aquarius. And then we'll be moving into the terms of Venus from seven to 13 degrees Aquarius. So we are starting off with a sort of ambiguous bound Lord that is requiring flexibility in the beginning of this journey through Aquarius one. And we will move then into a, an area of the zodiac that is uh, requiring potentially some cooperation, some harmonization. The face rulers for this uh, decan are Venus and Saturn. Venus being the descending Chaldean ruler and Saturn being the ruler in the triplicity method. The tarot card that we see in Aquarius 1 is the Five of Swords. And in it, we see a figure that is collecting swords after a battle and two figures walking off into the frontiers after a defeat. So this card is called Defeat uh, by both Book T and the Book of Toth. Austin Coppett calls this Deccan the Mark of Exile. The daimon associated or the spirit associated with this uh, Deccan is called Daiki or uh, another name for justice. So this may be uh, something, a clue to how we deal with maybe some of the disappointments that we come across in this, in this zodiacal terrain. Um, Daiki was the goddess of justice, of fair judgment, and of uh, the rights established by custom and law. So that's interesting. I, I thought that was something to really point out because um, when we're thinking about Aquarius, we're not just thinking about our own mental discipline, although that it plays into it, we're thinking about agreements that we have with one another and, and what kind of customs we are going to, uh, you know, come into some kind of awareness of and how are we going to um, make sure that those things are fair for everyone and that, that it is just. Uh, Daiki had two sisters. Uh, one of them was named Eunomia, uh, which was roughly translates to good order, and Irene, which translates to peace. So we're looking at the qualities of good order, peace, customs, justice, all of these things. Some of these themes are going to be coming up while the sun is moving through Aquarius 1. Uh, there is one fixed star in this area of the zodiac. It is at two degrees of Aquarius and is called Altair. And if we move over to our star chart for just a second here, we can see Altair. All right. So here now we're looking at our Starry Night Pro 7, which is the program we're using to examine what the sky looks like. And here we're seeing the sun moving into tropical Aquarius. Now we do see the sidereal constellation of Capricorn in this area of the zodiac. We're also seeing over here, this is the constellation, uh, what is this? This is Aquila, the eagle. And Aquila is, is about to kidnap uh, the, the cupbearer Ganymede or Ganymede. Okay. So this was a potentially there was, there, there were different ways of this story was described. One way was Zeus came down in the form of an eagle to capture the, the young boy Ganymede to, to bring him up to Olympus to be his cupbearer. Um, others say that this was just a messenger of Zeus and that he was responsible for uh, carrying his thunderbolts and his weapons and things of that nature. Um, there are some stories of the, <clears throat> uh, the labors of Hercules 
one of which was to slay the uh, Stymphalian birds. And there, in this area of the sky, we do see a number of birds. We see Cygnus, the swan, um, Aquila, the eagle. And then here we have Lyra, who is, or Lyra, which was an instrument, but also in certain traditions, this was a, a vulture. So they had like a, a vulture holding an instrument or, so we had these three birds that had to be slain by Hercules as well. Now, Altair, which the sun will be making a conjunction with on the 21st, after, directly after we have the uh, first quarter moon. So that's the first aspect that we have uh, during this decanic transit of the sun is the moon at one degree of uh, Taurus will be squaring the, the sun at one degree of Aquarius. And this is a continuation of our new moon that was happening in Capricorn three with that new moon conjoining Pluto. So we were, we're trying to, with this moon cycle, to deal with potentially some corruption that is coming up in our hierarchical systems and in, in the way that we govern um, the material structures that we're responsible for and dealing with that and, and bringing it to the light of day to be hopefully transformed and released and, and to be uh, you know, alchemized into some kind of new form that is more functional. So this is where we may hit a little bit of a, a, a material crisis point on the 20th. Now that's the the inauguration in the United States. So of course there will be some, you know, kind of stuff that's going on where some people are going to be uh, happy, some people are going to be upset, and we'll see how that plays out on the national scale. Um, now back to Altair for a second. Altair was associated with military prowess. So some of the key themes that come up in different books that describe this fixed star as boldness, military power. Um, and we've seen over the past week or so, as other planets have contacted this fixed star, uh, a focus on the military and the focus on National Guard troops coming to um, the Capitol in Washington, D.C., uh, different armies being assembled at different capitals around the United States to protect against armed insurrection or, or some of the violence that we saw on January 6th. So uh, we're seeing that kind of energy being played out uh, on our on our national stage right now. Now, another theme associated with Altair was uh, kidnapping. Uh, because of the um, relationship of Aquila with Ganymede here, there we sometimes we see uh, some kidnapping themes come up with with contacts with this fixed star. This is this can also be like related to um, far-reaching idealism. Uh, you know, Ganymede was was brought up to the uh, the abode of the gods, and he was kind of separated from uh, the from the rest of humanity. So there is this kind of being brought into exile, whether it was um, through your own choice or not. Like Ganymede didn't really necessarily volunteer to be the cupbearer; he was he was kidnapped and he was stolen away to to provide this service. So there may be some themes with this area of the zodiac where we are feeling like we're kind of forced into this, or we're or we're sort of, um, it's not necessarily through our choice, and we can see that in this card. This is like a defeat. This isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a nice card where we are feeling feelings of joy. This is where there's there's potentially a, a smug win a winner that has uh, 
is gathering the spoils of war or potentially has certain privileges. And then we have other figures that are moving off uh, potentially in disgrace. And that, and that could be a painful feeling that we might experience as a collective um, with, this, with this energy as well. Uh, Altair was also associated with storms and animal attacks, especially with lizards and bears. So uh, if you see anything come up in the news, excuse me, regarding bears and lizards, you'll know that Altair is having a hand in that. If you own any animals, uh, especially reptiles, be very careful uh, to handle them with care over this period of time. Okay, um, what else do we have here? Let's move back to our chart and we will take a look at some of the transits that are coming up. Just a few more things about uh, Aquarius in general. This particular decan is talking about breaking away from the herd. The journey of Aquarius speaks to um, kind of three stages. And we can see this in the different tarot card narratives that we see with Aquarius. The first one being exiled to the frontier through, through potentially through a conflict, through um, maybe through, through not being selected. When we have the sun in uh, Leo, right? The sun, according to uh, the tradition, had a quality of being selected. This is something where we say, I am this, or I identify as this. And when the sun is in uh, the area of the zodiac associated with exile, that can be really uncomfortable. So we, we may be aware of an area of our life where we just aren't on the top of the the wheel of fortune, where we're really having to make a compromise, where we're having to use our ingenuity to accomplish a goal, um, because we may not be an insider. Um, Aquarius was everything that was outside the castle walls. Uh, you could think of this in the Kronos story too. Like in Capricorn, potentially Kronos is swallowing his children and we have everything that is inside the wall or inside the boundary, Saturn associated with boundaries. But we may have this stage with Aquarius where every um, Olympian has been expelled from Kronos and is now living on the frontier outside. There may be a liberation associated with that too. So there could be some liberating forces associated with Aquarius one. Uh, in the second deck, and we have like a dialogue between the, the fringe or the periphery and, and the core. So the insiders and the outsiders trying to negotiate to figure out what is going to be uh, salvaged from uh, our experiences and, and what we're going to leave behind. And then in the third deck, and we're leaving that, that, that knowledge behind and, and going off into some new experience. So this is really the story of uh, transition, uh, of leaving something behind and trying to reach for a new ideal. And I, I really like that word ideal or idealism associated with this as well, especially for air signs. Air signs can be some of the most idealistic placements because we're not necessarily always dealing with reality, but how we wish it could be through, through our platonic idealized forms. Okay, let's see, what else do I have here? So Austin Kopic talks about this Deccan as we're stepping down off of the throne of power in Capricorn 3 and trying to leave behind some of that material reality in search of the ideal. Um, a question that I wrote down, how can you use your objectivity uh, living outside the castle to see the rules, quote unquote, of the game? So sometimes when we live outside of a, a particular um, system, 
it's much easier to see how that system functions. And when we know all the rules of the game, sometimes we're able to kind of come up with very innovative solutions to dealing with some of the problems that might be more difficult to deal with if we are in it all of the time. Do you know, sometimes you have to get away from a problem to be able to really see um, what its core is and what the roots of it are. And that can be really liberating. That can be really enlightening. Um, so that may be part of the journey of the sun through this area of the zodiac. Um, sometimes we may go off into uh, exile intentionally where we reject something that is the consensus reality or is of the norm. So we can gain independence or freedom from that rejection of conformity. There are a few interesting figures that have, uh, you know, some contacts in these, this, this decan. One being um, a lot of it with concerned with flight and experimental flight, stuff like that. So Buzz Aldrin is a, is a historical figure who was the second man to land on the moon. Um, he had to reject the, the, the norms of his society to go outside of the boundary of the, of literally of the atmosphere of the earth to do something new and innovative. Another was Chuck Yeager, who was an experimental pilot who I believe broke the sound barrier. Uh, and another pilot, uh, Charles Lindbergh, who was the first to make a solo flight across the Atlantic. Lindbergh's interesting as well because he has some themes associated with kidnapping in Altair as well. Um, there was a, a, you know, quite a controversy where his child was uh, kidnapped and there was a big, you know, like kind of manhunt for, for his child. Um, it eventually didn't end very well. It was a very sad story. Uh, but I thought that that was kind of an interesting like little connection between um, that particular theme with Ganymede and, and with Aquila playing out in this person's life in addition to the, the themes of flight. Okay, so we're, we, I think we've broken down the sun conjoining Altair. You can see that that's going to be happening uh, roughly between the 20th and the 21st after the first quarter moon. We're still seeing the sun is making an overcoming square to Uranus and Mars. So that's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with during the, the sun's journey through this area of the zodiac. But it will be co-present with both Saturn, Jupiter, and Mercury. So there's a, quite a concentration of energy in this area of the zodiac during this time frame. So we have Saturn that's showing us the limits of, of um, our social structures. We have Jupiter that's actually trying to be very helpful and trying to, to bring us gifts and trying to, uh, you know, connect us with our higher selves and with our higher truths. Mercury is casting some doubt and trying to add uh, some kind of maybe contention to the conversation and, and bringing witnesses to the stand and cross-examining them. Mercury is going to be moving retrograde as well during um, this next phase. Uh, it doesn't happen during Aquarius 1, but it will happen when the sun's moving through the second decan of Aquarius. And eventually there will be a Kazemi moment between Mercury and the sun as well. So uh, those are players in our story here. Those are characters in our narrative. Um, so let's move forward to the 21st. And on the 21st, that's when we have the connection with Altair. If we move forward two more days to the 23rd, you can see at four degrees of Aquarius, we are seeing a Saturn-Sun conjunction. So this is something called a Kazemi moment. So Kazemi is when a planet is in the heart of the sun 
or connecting with the heart of the sun. And that's actually a really important moment for any planet, not just Mercury. We see it most commonly with Mercury because Mercury stays pretty close to the sun and retrogrades back into it quite often. But when we see a Kazemi moment with Saturn and with Jupiter, we, we should pay attention because those are slower moving planets. And it is sort of the beginning of a new cycle. Any planet that's moving into the heart or the furnace of the sun is kind of having the dross of the old um, cycle burned away and getting infused with sort of a new mission, sort of a new awareness of what is to come. So we're going to be infusing Saturn with sort of a new, I don't know, a new, a new uh, with new limits, new structures, potentially new laws, um, new social agreements. Uh, so this could be where we are feeling a little bit of inhibited vitality as well. If the sun was associated with vitality, but, you know, Saturn's going to be, you know, making us feel a little bit oppressed. Like, so we could have some feelings of oppression where we're not necessarily able to reach for optimism or happiness. We may feel a little bit of depression with this aspect as well. But again, Saturn's job is trying to rebalance or restore right proportion to the twists and turns of fortune. So potentially through restrictions, through, uh, through punishments, through the quality of nemesis, who is, you know, trying to restore balance, you know, we're eliminating some of the, uh, the excesses. And we really have to embrace the, the quality of Saturn to help us to rid ourselves of excess and imbalance as well, because if we just had unchecked growth all the time, we, we would just, it would just lead to um, clutter, you know, lead to clutter. It would lead to bloat. Uh, it would lead to corruption. And, and we have to, we see this in the natural cycles of nature where we're trying to grow a crop uh, over the summer months, spring and summer months, we harvest the crop and then we let the land rest a little bit. And Saturn helps with that process of letting the land rest and, you know, it doesn't necessarily provide abundance, but it's, it's allowing the land to become uh, fertile in the future. So you have to think about, that's why we think about long-term growth with Saturn, because we're, we're really um, trying to plan for a, an abundant, uh, abundance to come. And we have to delay gratification. That's what we do during winter too. We, we pare everything down. We go into hibernation. We limit our, our expenditure of energy so that we don't waste the resources that we have so that we can rest and, and start to plan and, and, and start to get in touch with our, our inner wisdom so that we'll have a future flowering. So that's what, what we may be seeing on the 23rd is something is going to be, some seed is going to be planted for, for future flowering. And Saturn is, is making an overcoming square to both Mars and Uranus right now. So we're seeing the shakeup of, of our social structures. We're seeing potentially like the limits of uh, our forward movement or our willful uh, action-orientated selves with Mars in, in Taurus. And that may feel like we're not able to move forward under our own power, but these restrictions are, are, are there for a reason. They are, they're kind of like that wise grandparent or parent energy that is, you know, stopping our youthful, exuberant selves from getting into trouble. And, and as we get older, we learn how to, to uh, marshal our resources better. And we learn how to use our energy in a more efficient way so that we're not just kind of like, you know, 
going like a, like a fire hose everywhere <laughs> with our energy. Okay. So that is January the 23rd. Uh, when we move to, uh, let's see, the 26th, January the 26th, Tuesday, January 26th, we see the sun is going to be making a square to Uranus. Okay. So this may be where we're feeling a sense of impatience, a sense of restlessness. It could be a mental breakthrough, excuse me, or a, a breakdown. This could be where we're, we're wrestling with uh, the system that is coming into, an, that is shining its light on the awareness of the material changes that need to take place. As we move forward in the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction era in air signs, we are going to have to change the way that we uh, do our social, uh, I don't know, the, the way that we um, oh, move through society, the way that we use resources as well as we get come to terms and come face to face with things like overpopulation, things like climate change, things like wealth or racial inequality. We're going to have to ask tough questions about how we distribute uh, resources, which is what um, Uranus is is really bringing a focal point to in the first decan of Taurus. And there's going to be some disagreements on that. There's going to be some idealization about how we are uh, utilizing the resources that we do have at the moment. Um, we definitely have uh, some folks that are experiencing lack. We have some folks that are experiencing enormous wealth due, due to you know, unfortunate circumstances. And that is going to create some, some tension as well. Now, Uranus is a planet I've heard described by Robert Schmidt as a transcendental sun. And if we think about the sun as, as kind of soul and this idealized form of something, some divine form, um, this could be the, the, the hopes and wishes, the idealizations of an entire group of people, not just an individual. And one of the, the real light bulb moments I've had with Uranus is, is we associate it with change and with lightning bolt uh, shakeups. Um, but some of that happens, some of that rebellious action happens because we're not content to, you know, accept the status quo, the way things are. So we have this tension between the way things are and the way we wish it to be. And when that happens on a, on a transcendental scale or a social scale, that's when we see mass movements towards revolution or rebellion or things like that, because we have a certain animating principle that people are trying to uh, achieve. And um, a lot of the times, the anger that comes up is when our reality isn't matching up with our idealism. So keep an eye out for that, that in your own life too, are you, is there an area of your life, maybe in the Aquarius or Taurus area of your life, where you may be feeling some idealized feelings and it's not matching up with your physical reality and that could lead to some frustration. Okay, let's move forward to the 28th. On January the 28th, we're going to see the conjunction of Jupiter and the sun. So this is Jupiter's turn becoming Kazemi. All right. Now, man, that's interesting, isn't it? That we're having two 
uh, two planetary conjunctions with the sun all in the span of, you know, roughly a week. Um, that's going to plant a lot of seeds. This is a, this is a time where we're going to see a whole mess of new starts. And this is where after we're, we're understanding the limitations that we're working within with the, with the sun conjunct Saturn. And then, you know, we may have some pushback with that in the days after with the sun squaring Uranus, we may see some of the benefits that are trying to come in and, and, and stabilize some of the, the, the unrest that we're seeing with Jupiter conjoining the sun. Jupiter is the great benefic. It's trying to bring abundance. It's trying to, to bring stabilization. It's trying to bring order to our universe. You know, Jupiter stories, Zeus stories were all about uh, bringing order to the cosmos. So we may see like new, oh, I don't know, new um, stimulus packages. We may see new economic relief things. We may see new laws enacted that are trying to help the people. Uh, that are trying to bring stability to those that have been cast out and those that have been exiled, um, those that are on the fringes of society. So a lot of the, the new laws that we see could be to, to, to restore balance to, to those areas of society. This could be where we're feeling a new sense of optimism too. Maybe we've gotten past the, the more challenging, uh, you know, activities or the more challenging news cycle or, or uh, you know, manifestations of that Mars-Uranus conjunction that we saw on the inauguration day. And, and we're, we're trying to pick up the pieces and see what is, what is going to be happening next and how we're going to, to bring stability back to our daily lives. Um, just some things to be careful of with this is, you know, we can feel a sense of optimism, but we have to be careful not to become overconfident. This could be where we're, you know, feeling hope, but it's an idealized hope. So we always have to ground that hope into our physical material form as well. Um, one of my favorite animal symbols is the, uh, the nuthatch. And the nuthatch is a bird, like it's a little bit, I think it's in the woodpecker family that, that climbs down trees. So they're taking this divine wisdom and they're, and they're grounding it on the physical plane. So that may be something to really keep in mind on January the 28th is how can you bring your idealism into your everyday practical day-to-day -day existence? Okay, so that is the 28th. The other thing that's happening on the 28th that uh, we should definitely be aware of that's part of our story is we have a full moon. So I will make another video about the full moon in general, but this is the peak uh, at the Jupiter Kazemi moment, at the the Jupiter conjunct the Sun, where we will also be seeing the culmination and the the fruit of this lunar cycle. So this is happening with a Moon at nine degrees of Leo, uh, where we are probably asking ourselves and 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 really trying to balance opposing uh, viewpoints, approval versus eccentricity, selection versus exile. Uh, potentially altruism versus our own self-interest. Um, some of the themes with Aquarius is if you are on the fringes and you aren't like the, in the, oh, I don't know, the good special graces of, of like a sign like Leo, for example, how do you respond to that? How can you uh, do the work that you need to do, even if you aren't getting the applause or the recognition 
that you may feel is warranted from the work that you do. I think a lot of the things that I've talked about with people who have prominent Aquarius placements in their chart is that it's very important to do what you feel is right, whether you're, you're you know, acknowledged for it or not. This is some of the things that we see with, you know, in modern astrology, they think about people who are ahead of their time and things of that nature. Well, we can see it in the tradition as just people who are thinking completely outside of the norm where they're, you know, they are not part of the establishment uh, due to that exiled condition. And they're almost forced through necessity to come up with innovative solutions to the, the, the crises that they are facing. So this is an, another time frame where we may have to come up with innovative solutions to what we're facing because we're, we don't have access to the normal resources of those in power, of those uh, on the inside of the castle walls. And that's where uh, I think some of the innovation comes from in, in Aquarius in particular is, is th through just having to do it. We don't, we don't have any other choice. We have to think outside the box. Okay, so that's what we may be experiencing with this full moon. One just little side note, and I won't get too into it, but this, this uh, full moon is going to be conjoining Donald Trump's uh, Pluto at 10 degrees of Leo. So there might be something that comes to a head in his story on January the 28th as well. So, so keep your eyes out for that. Okay, so those are the aspects that we have during this period of time. I did want to give you an I Ching reading, as I am apt to do with these videos now. I really enjoy this art, this oracle for helping to contextualize what we are experiencing during these time frames. I always feel like this particular oracle can bring a lot of clarity to what we're experiencing and also give us some guidance and, and give us some, uh, some ability to bring these concepts down to our everyday life and how do we incorporate it with integrity? How do we uh, find meaning in all of these uh, particular zodiacal placements? So what we're seeing, and the question that I asked was, what is the essential nature of the sun's transit through Aquarius 1 during 2021? And the first hexagram that I got was number 16. And this is called enthusiasm. So you need to ask yourself, there's questions that we ask ourselves. And this is, uh, I believe, what is the book that this is from? Look this up real quick, because I've been quoting it quite a lot. And I want to make sure that I give credit where credit is due. This is from an interpretation called The I Ching, Walking Your Path by Hilary Barrett. It is one of my favorite uh translations. I have a number of different translations in an app that I have called the I Ching app. But this one uh, is very clear. And, and I like the fact that she gives us focus questions so that we can use our own creativity to find solutions rather than just being given the solution. So she says, what do you imagine? What inspires you? How can you use your enthusiasm constructively? Now, enthusiasm is an interesting word. It, mean, uh, it, it derives from the Greek word enthusiastikos, which means to be inspired by a god. So we may be feeling this, this like filled with this divine nature where we want to express it somehow, but there may be challenges to that. Uh, there are two changing lines. The line number five, and you can see there's these dots when we have a changing line. 
So here we have two dots. Sorry, we had to add these dots in here. Okay. And that means that this broken line will be changing to a, a, a fixed line. Okay. An unbroken line. And in line five, Miss Barrett says, total harmony is obstructed and impossible. Awareness of this will keep you from sinking into chaos and eventual defeat. Okay. Interesting correlation with the name of this tarot card, the five of swords, defeat. So we have to be very careful that we aren't becoming too idealized and that we aren't trying to create a victory from with, with unethical means. Because that's another meaning of this particular card is we may feel this sense of resentment to people that may have more than us or may be in a privileged position. But one of the, the keys uh, in this other book I like um, called Holistic Tarot by Benabel Wen, she gives these affirmations for these cards. And in for the Five of Swords, she says, I am a fighter who wins my battles, but I take care to win by ingenuity, not cunning. Ingenuity. So that's really the, the outside-the-box thinking. So instead of getting into conflict with people and, and feeling this sense of, oh, this false sense of pride uh, or false enthusiasm, um, when we're shown that, that, that this particular method may not work, uh, we can you know, go back to our humility to be able to, to find an innovative solution. So there's another changing line. It says, lost in the memory of a compelling and harmonious experience, the time is past and what is left is empty egotism. Reform is possible, but there is an opportunity to move to a situation of new growth. Ground imaginings in reality to avoid nurturing false enthusiasm. So this brings us back to the message of the nuthatch. Okay, so we, if we're too idealistic, we're going to run into problems. So we, we can reach for new um, social patterns, we can reach for new ideals, but we have to have one foot on the ground and make sure that what we're doing is, is achievable. Um, yes, we have to be dreamers, but that dream has to be grounded in, in some of the natural laws that we're all beholden to. One of those laws is time. And whenever we have the sun moving through a Saturnian sign, we have to work with the quality of time. We, we can't always have everything right when we want it. That delay, de delayed gratification is a very important uh, lesson whenever we have Saturnian type contacts. So the next hexagram that we have is number 12, and that's called blocked or stagnation or obstruction. So our enthusiasm may run into an obstruction during this period of time. So the questions that Miss Barrett asks is, what can you do when nothing is working? Who are you when no one is noticing? Uh, that's important because, again, that plays into the themes of not needing recognition for the work that you do. The recognition will come in time. This is a time just to do the hard work. This is like a tree that's hibernating. The tree isn't asking for recognition for consolidating its energy for the growth that happens in the spring. It's just doing what it's doing. And you may not see that energy, that, that growth that's happening, that consolidation of energy on the inner part of the tree, it may look dead. So your life may look like a bare tree without leaves or buds right now, but uh, know that through the internal work that you're doing, you will see the external results of that in time. Okay, so the, she talks about there's a disconnect between inspiration and realization, uh, releasing the need for external rewards blocked and cut off uh, so that you can grow more strongly from deeper roots. 
So again, this reflects that winter storage energy, the hibernation energy, um, building resources for a later unfolding in the spring of our lives. Okay, I think that's what I've got for all of you today. Uh, thank you for hanging out with me. I hope that you have a good Aquarius season. Um, it's a great time to just learn new skills, to hibernate, to release any attachment to, to you know, having to be uh, on top or release attachment to the applause. And that detachment is, is, is a really great life lesson. Sometimes when we're not beholden to the approval of others, we can do uh, some things that we might not be normally be able to do if we're attached to that recognition. So there is a, there's a real interesting unorthodox freedom in all of that. So, so get in touch with your, the liberation that comes with not needing the approval of the crowd or the herd or, or the collective. Okay. So that's what I have for you today. If you are liking these videos, there are a number of ways that you can support my work. The first thing you can do is subscribe to the channel, the YouTube channel. I'm on Spotify now and Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all of those things. Uh, subscribing and hitting the like button is a great way, a first way to, to support the work that I do. Leave me a comment. Let me know how you are experiencing Aquarius season and what kind of work are you doing that you are nece not necessarily getting um, feedback for, but you know that you're doing good work deep down inside. Uh, the other way, if you want to make a material contribution to what I'm doing to help keep these videos free for the most amount of people possible, uh, I do have a donation link, a Venmo or a PayPal me, paypal.me backslash Spencer Michelle, uh, or you could reach out for a reading. If you want to know what is going on with you in, in Aquarius season, uh, reach out for a reading. Uh, I also have a you know a sliding scale if you if you need uh, some kind of different rate I have a, a certain rate that I set my readings at but if those are too expensive for you in these COVID times just reach out send me an email and we can work something out I'd be more than happy to work with you I don't want to deny service to anyone that needs it so feel free to reach out if that is something that you are experiencing and you would like some some wisdom or some help with your challenges all right everyone that's what I have for you today. I hope that you are all doing well. Hang in there, be kind to one another, and take that, that helicopter view over your life and, and evaluate things from that higher perspective. Take care, everyone. Peace.